Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, Season 4, Episode 15. Today, you guys get me. There's a lot of stuff that I have planned, but they don't kick off until like next year, which is just a few weeks away. Um, In the meantime, in order to make that happen, I need to buckle down and do some work. But I did want to come here today. We're going to be sharing an old episode with a narrator, Luke Daniels. He is one of my top favorite narrators, as well as such a great guy overall and so freaking talented. I had the chance to sit down with him a few years ago with Kelly, who is the owner of Books and Kisses, and also my original partner in crime for the Audible Loving series. So you'll get to hear her talk way more than I did, because back in that day, she was more of a talker than it was for me. And she also had listened to way more books from Luke Daniels at the time than I had. But also we took turns, because that's what partners do. We take turns, and it was her turn. I desperately miss her as my wing girl. It was such great fun to play off her as well. And uh, my own self-doubt of having you guys listen to me would not really be there because you'd have two people to listen to, right? But anyways, uh, it's a fun interview. She had some great questions. I think I had some good questions too. And he is just, again, such a wonderful individual and entertaining at the same time. So it's definitely a fun interview. Before we go there, I did want to kind of like connect with you guys and hopefully you guys are all doing well. I know shopping and gift giving is top of mind uh, at the moment due to the mass marketing of the Christmas holidays as well as many other holidays is all about shopping and gifts and things like that. And we're constantly seeing it on our TVs and screens and hell, even apps and even on the mighty TikTok account, right? For those that are on there. But just a friendly reminder, don't stress yourself out. I think that the best thing that you can do for yourself is know and understand that the best gift you can give anybody is you and your time. And if that means setting up a Zoom chat because you guys don't live close together or just putting the phone away while you're at the family gathering and just giving them a little note saying how much you appreciate them as a person, how much you value them and how much you're looking forward to hanging out and actually truly being in their, you know, space, head there as well of putting the devices away. I think it's all of it. Um, I'm a huge hustler component advocate for self-care. And the one thing I'm definitely trying to do is listen to myself. <laughs> it's hard. I, 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 um, I like giving people gifts that they are the value in things, but I've learned through the years. So I'm going to share this lesson with you guys. It's okay to give a gift card on the, on the contrary. I think it's awesome. And many people that get the gift card appreciate it. I know sometimes there's a bit of a, Oh, gift cards means that you didn't have the time for me. No, 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 honey. It means that I want to gift something to you, but I want you to do it for, you know, I don't know what it is exactly you want. You may have a list of things, but I don't have the, you know, the privilege to knowing what that's on that list. But also it's a little thing of giving us permission to spend the money on us versus, you know, bills. Also saves us from having to return anything because I think at the end of the day, as much as shopping is fun, returning is the complete opposite and is hellhole. So we don't have to return anything. It's fantastic. 
you don't have to get a gift card from a big shop, mom and, you know, a big box store, as they like to call them. There are several mom and pop stores, lots of online small businesses that provide gift, you know, gift cards. So if it's a, a book store related um, shop, gift card. If it's uh, someone that does custom made items that are book related, gift card, if you can. Otherwise, if you know that the, the person is a bookaholic like you are, or if you're listening to this part of the podcast and you're not a huge bookaholic individual, but your person is, gift cards to Amazon from a, you know for Kindle books or even Audible is great from a membership, you know, small trial just to see if they like it. It doesn't have to be a huge thing either. It's the thought that counts, literally. I will be buckling down and doing some crafty gifts because I want to make some more handmade gifts this year. I will share with you how that works out and if I end up doing it at all or how well it went. So if you want to keep updated, follow me on my social media platforms. I'm all over the place. You can find us as Viviana Enchanters of Books and I'll be posting as things progress. For my listeners that are planners, make sure to take this next date down, as well as for the listeners that love going to book conferences, book signings, or have been wanting to go to one, but haven't had the opportunity to attend one. There is this fantastic book signing slash convention that is occurring next year titled Readers Take Denver. It's occurring March 30th through April 2nd. That is four days of absolute fun. That includes book signings, parties, networking, getting together with your friends, getting together and hanging out with some of your favorite authors and a few of your favorite narrators. If you're not following Readers Take Denver on their social media platforms, make sure that you do. I have it on good authority that they will be announcing some of the latest additions to the lineup of authors and narrators. So if you're waiting on pins and needles to find out who their favorites are that are going, there's already a slew of authors that have already been announced, both in the romance and in the mystery slash thriller genres. So if you have a friend or a significant other that has always busted out with, no, I'm not going to go because it's just romance, but they are a lover of mystery and thrillers, let them know about the events. You guys can go together. You guys, you know, it could be someone else that goes if you share the information. But again, follow their social media platforms. They're going to be announcing that stuff soon. And there's also a bunch of other goodies that are coming down the pipeline from what I've been told. Again, I will be including that information as usual in the main website at Viviana Enchantress the Books within the post. You can also Google Readers Take Denver. Um, and that's basically also their website. So www.readerstakedenver.com. All right. I've talked enough. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to head on out and leave you guys with the interview with narrator Luke Daniels. Again, this is an old episode of ours with Books and Kisses, as well as myself, the original besties um, who love audiobooks and came up with the audiobook loving series when it was just a series that took place in June versus the podcast that it is now and how we have grown. You heard me raving about narrator Luke Daniels and but I did not tell you guys how I first discovered him. Um, Thanks to Kelly. She shared um, her love of the following series which I also fell in love with. And it's one that I do recommend. His narration is superb. The storytelling is magnificent. And if you are a fantasy 
reader slash listener, you're going to love it. The name of the series is The Iron Druid Chronicles by Kevin Hearn. He's also fantastic. Again, like I said, the story is magnificent. So look for it, download it, listen to it. We talked about it a little bit on the on the episode. There is going to be some information about it, again, in the main post over at our website. And here you guys are. Hi, this is Kelly from Books and Kisses and Viviana from Enchantress of Books. And we are interviewing the awesome Luke Daniels today for our audiobook loving series. Um, we hope you enjoy our interview. Hi, Luke. Hi, that was a very good introduction. Thanks for having me. I've been practicing, like staring at myself in the mirror. But <laughs> so I'm excited to have you on the blog for this because I absolutely love the Iron Druid Chronicles. And I will have to say that had it not been for your narrating, I may not have ever picked up that series. So one, thank you for being awesome and thank you for Oberon. Uh-huh. Well, thank you for listening and I think we have to thank Kevin Hearn for Oberon. I just kind of channeled him. but. I appreciate it. that's a lot of list. How did you find it? If if you may, if I may ask, how did you come upon it first? I actually just um, was scanning Audible for books and was listening, and I'm not really, I can't really remember how I got it, but I just looked at it and I'm like, oh, this is a different genre, and I listened to a sample, and it was a conversation between Atticus and Oberon, and I'm like, this Luke guy knows what he's doing, and. I devoured the books so fast that it, yeah, I'm bugged Kevin to write faster. Right. I've had that happen. Well, thank you. Thanks for, that's a lot of listening. He's provided, uh, he's provided me with some steady work for the past few years. Um, And more to come, I hope. I mean, we have one more book, I think, in this, like, series of nine, one or two. I can't even remember because there's all these... Uh, novellas and then there's uh, short stories and uh, he's he's really prolific in just a few like four years I think he started it maybe four or five years ago mm-hmm. um, which really makes it fun it almost feels like a, a, a episodic cartoon or something like that that we get to come back to you know every few months I get to rehash those characters and play with them so it's been the most I think it's the longest that and the Heather Graham are probably the longest running series I've done with the most books. I think that Heather Graham has maybe a few more actual ones because she would do like, uh, I think I've done like 16 or something of those. Um, it's the um, uh, Crew of Hunters series. It's a paranormal romance investigating series that's fun too. Um, uh, so yeah, I've had fun narrating those and they, they've gotten a great response. I mean, the people that... Uh, uh, that listen to IDC, I feel like that's kind of my people too. The the people that kind of contact me and who I talk to have the same sense of humor, into the same kind of things. It's nice to see we have a common base of uh, interest. Uh, and I think that comes from Kevin too, kind of in his pop references and everything he pulls together. It's very mainstream, but also subversive, which is fun to play. And I think people like. So yeah. there's my speech. <laughs> <laughs> So one of the things that we always want to know is like how the um, author-narrator relationship works, 
And I know that when I talked to Kevin last year, he was in Oregon for a book signing, and I talked to him, and he said that you two had not really talked until you were multiple, multiple books into the series. Um, is that normal? I mean, he just you... claimed that. that way. If I do anything, you can be like, "I didn't. That wasn't me. That was." <laughs> and you know what? Honestly, I can see Kevin doing that. I've, <laughs> I've had the pleasure of meeting him twice, and he's just as funny as his books are. Um, I've yet but... to meet him in person. I, I I think there's a restraining order. I'm not allowed within 200 leagues. Yeah, he, he's weird. <laughs> leagues. Uh, not with, no, he, um, so the first three books, the very first, Hounded, Hexed, and Hammered, he did, uh, and we didn't have much contact, because, like, a few, even just a few years ago, you didn't really contact authors. Some, but for the most part, that's changing now. I feel like now we're much more, um, open to talking to each other. Um, we always were, but there was more middlemen before. There were more, the publishers were in between, and you didn't have direct contact to the author a lot of times. And um, you would get things handed down, like, the, you know, casting or whoever would come and say, uh, uh, we talked to the author and he wants the word said this way, or he wants this kind of thing. So you'd get that. But now that's changed with Twitter and just kind of the general social media and accessibility you have. And I also think because... Uh, now, a few years later, audiobooks are more mainstream, authors are more interested, and they tend to um, seek it out more, open to, they want to collaborate on it. So we're much more collaborative now. In fact, uh, we just produced the Two Tales. If you look up on Audible, Two Tales, uh, I'm going to plug right now. Um, it's, it was uh, great, the by the way. Yeah. Just, just Us. Um, so we went through this thing called ACX and we produced it without a publisher. It was really cool and uh, so it was independent and we tried that out for the first time. So I, I enjoyed doing that and it was two short stories uh, that he had written before um, and uh, he was, you know, I can text him or not text him but I can email him and say, what do you think about this? But we don't tend to, I think there's a mutual respect, so we don't tend to do a lot of it. He's not real meddlesome. He's very helpful. Um, he definitely, you know, lets me do, take it and do what I want to do with it. Um, so, but there is that openness of if I have a question of like, how do we pronounce this guy again? Or what, uh, what did I say last time? Or that kind of thing. He's very open to it. Or he'll give me references sometimes. He did for um, uh, Owen, uh, his arc druid. He gave me the reference from, um, oh, what's the Irish movie? Now I'm going to totally fail. Um, the Quiet One with uh, John Wayne. Uh, and there's a, a, a kind of a priest or this real rabble-rouser Irish guy that he wanted me to look at. And uh, so he does that kind of stuff. So it's fun. We do have a collaboration now. And with more authors, too, especially the independent ones um, or the newer ones or the younger ones starting out, uh, a lot more collaboration through Twitter um, and also marketing. So if the book's released, then they'll say something about it and you'll say something about it. And then, you know, uh, that kind of cross-tweeting. I don't know what the word is for that, the official term. But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, so there's much more of it now. But when we started out, it wasn't. You just got a, you got a big stack of papers and, and then you would just go through them. And um, 
every once in a while you could say, this is really confusing. Can we contact the author? But you'd never hear back. It'd be like two weeks or three weeks because they would contact the agent and the agent would contact the author and the author would contact the agent. So I've kind of bypassed that now and I'll look up and see if someone's on Twitter and then if they are, I just, uh, you know, start tweeting to them and most times they'll, they'll tweet back, which is kind of risky because you don't want to start tweeting to them and then they're like, I actually hate what you did. That was terrible. I don't want you to, please leave me alone. You're, you're awful. That would be bad. So far it's worked out okay. Got it. <laughs> Viv, do you want to ask the next question? Sure. So, um... What is the madness to, uh, method to the madness on how you go about selecting how each of the characters are going to sound like? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if there's much method to my madness. Um, I think it's 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 ninety percent what the text says. So if you're lucky and you have someone like Kevin, they have somebody that's very uh, they'll give you the characterization in the text of he was with his southern drawl or he was uh, a big burly guy with deep gravelly tones or you look for those kind of things and that's kind of what your standby is because you have to use that and then I'd say that 10% is just impulse what what how do I hear it in my head and and then if you're if I'm in a good place then it's just kind of translating that out loud <laughs> sounds so frou-frou, but to, it's hard to describe. It, it is, a lot of it is just kind of how it is in my head, and then I just, it just comes out. Uh, I try not to limit it too much. I try to just do, I just spilled coffee. Um, <laughs> um, a lot of times it's just that. It's just in the moment. Um, I've always been, uh, I've always liked that more than a lot of planning and preparing, because I am somebody who wants to plan and prepare everything. So I'll overdo it if I do that. I'll, I'll overthink things, and then it'll come off being way too intellectual or too heady, and you lose that kind of gut punch that you want of something that just kind of comes on the spur of the moment. Okay. So along the lines of the question that Viv just asked, how do you, how do you manage to keep track of characters? So like in the Iron Druid Chronicles, obviously you have to remember what Atticus sounds like because if Atticus doesn't sound like Atticus in book eight as he did in book one, I'd probably be upset. Same with like Oberon. But how do you keep track of like the smaller characters? Like the Morgan would pop up multiple times or, um, you know, some of the, um, the fairies or the gods or anything like that. Like how do you keep track of your characters like for ongoing series? And I guess the same would be true for Heather Graham's series. I know multiple characters pop up frequently throughout her books. Um, well, it, I've often wished that they just recorded us saying them and then I could just go back and listen to the... <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I go back and listen. That's what I do. I'll go back and listen. Um, I used that same line when I was answering that question when I recorded this without you guys, and I was like, God, this is why you sound like a dick, Luke. Like, <laughs> okay. Nobody well, your well, here's the thing, though. I mean, you have so many books in so many, no. you know. I'll be, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. There's been times where um, I've changed stuff because I've missed it. Um, so you try to be diligent about it. You try to... I know people who are so much better than me that, that take copious notes and, and, and catalog and have voice reference catalogs where they'll, 
you know, they can go into their computer and type the name and the voice pops up and like they're so, that's amazing. I think those people deserve uh, a lot of credit. I, I have trouble with the being organized in that way and just because of this, the output that I do, um, it's hard to, it's hard to do that. So um, it's easier in a book like Kevin's because the characters are so big. Um, you know, you've got this Jesus is the guy from the Axe commercial. That kind of sticks in my head, you know. So then it, I don't really have – I know because it's just there's only one way that I would voice that, I guess. Right. Or, um, but I will go back and listen uh, to stuff. Um, if I know I'm doing a series, I'm better about it now of getting the previous book and then skipping skipping through trying to find all the characters and, and listening. Um uh, to, to take notes, but I don't, I'm not married to it. I also want to serve the book that I'm reading, and so that may shift a little bit, and that I'm okay with that, but I know that that's hard for listeners. The Oberon's shifted. If you listen to the first three books, and then you listen to the current books, he's not exactly voiced the same way. Um, I don't narrate the same way. That was like six years ago when I first started out. So if you listen to that, my voice has changed. Um, I went through puberty like two years ago, so that was a big deal. Uh, uh, shifted things down. I'm still working on it. That's my big deal. My voice still cracks. I mean, it is changing. It's always changing. So if you listen to me in five years from now, so I won't even sound the same. But as for the characters, you want to keep the continuity because that's what people invest in, and they they do like you want to keep the reality of that you've created through mm -hmm. these characters. So that's direly important. But I think we get all that. So you hear that kind of stuff all the time. So I think it's important also to note that these things are fluid and they do change. And if you think about it, the characters should change. The first book of Iron Druid to now. It's been, I think, 12 to 15 years. So right. if you think about a dog at the first, you know, and then 12 years later, they're very different. Their personalities are different. So that should reflect in the way they talk. And um, I can rationalize so well. I'm just uh, such a good <laughs> rationalist. But no, but the, the, there's that. Or there's I've gotten nailed before on Heather Graham where there was a character, I think, that was um, voiced Irish in one book, and then in another book she was just not Irish. Um, and that was a mistake. And then there was a, a, you know, there's another series I did where in the third one, I think I changed, like, the Admiral or whoever a little bit because I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> because it sounded better in that. And a lot of times I'll go back and listen, and if I don't like how I did it, then I'll change it because... I don't, I make mistakes, and there's times where I'll go back and go, you know, that was a little too much, I gotta pull that guy back, or, or, uh, it just doesn't feel right, or, I don't know, so I, I stick, I'm very true to the novel that I'm reading in the moment, um, and I still keep a, a, you know, a close eye on what I've done before, and always use that as my frame of reference. That's a good answer, and... <laughs> I don't know, we'll see. We like smart asses, so the whole is if we recorded oh, it, I good. yeah, I deserved it. I deserved that answer. <laughs> I waver between smart ass and dumbass. Those are my two extremes. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I fall in in life. Yeah, so. yeah. All right, Viv, you're up. Got it. Okay, so um, you were talking about the different uh, keeping track of things, and you were mentioning. 
you're keeping true to the moment of the book. So what is exactly your narrating process? Do you read the book first, and how do you go up? What is the process that you do when you get the book in front of you to narrate? You guys are pretty good, I have to say. Let me just say that the, the <laughs> questions you're... I feel like I'm with Diane Sawyer right now. <laughs> no, no, Diane. I can't answer that, Diane. That's just uh, here. Uh, no. I, 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 when I started out, I read everything beforehand. I highlighted everything. So if there was a character, I'd be like, okay, she's always going to be the pink highlighter. And if there's a guy, he's always the orange highlighter. And then sometimes, well, this guy, I'm going to make him the pink highlighter. And then I've got, you know, or I've got purple highlighter, all these highlighters. And I have this whole system and I take copious notes. And I, that's how I learned. I feel like I did that for three, four years. And I learned really well. I learned how to read the script, how to, um, take everything out of the, the text. I learned how they write and set up structure. And I, I just, I think I learned a lot about novels and how they're formed and what to expect. And I did a lot of different genres too. So I got a good education that way. And then it became impossible to do that just from the amount that I was producing. And I coupled that with, I found that when I would go through a script with a fine tooth comb, I did not feel like I gave as good a performance as when a lot of it was um, on the fly. Um, because when we read a book, a lot of it's on the fly. And sometimes I would put too much thought into it or lead things somewhere that maybe they didn't need to go because I knew where it goes. But in the moment of the scene, the, the listener or the reader doesn't know. You know, so you don't want to tip your hat and I'm the type of person that if I know, I think I tend to color things. Um, if I don't know, I'm much. it's much more easy for me to be in the moment of what's happening in that scene and just the circumstances I'm dealing with of this is happening between him and her and they're fighting because of what's just happened and you don't know the future, you're just living that moment. And so a lot of it sounds like actor talk when it comes out, but I really do, there is a balance. So obviously, it leads to mistakes where I'll do something and then I'll realize later on, oh, I got to go back and fix that because um, she's actually from South Africa um, and he just didn't mention it until page 85. So now I got to go back and fix all her dialogue. But to me, the risk of that is worth the benefit of not over-preparing and I like cold reading. I've always been good at it. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a mixture of cold reading and prep in that I know who the characters are, I know generally where things are going, um, but I don't know every word. Um, I kind of discover that in the moment. I like it. I'm petting my dog, too. If you wonder what I'm doing down here off the <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something about that. It was your doggy that was there, but thanks for adding that. <laughs> bringing my lady over here. That's what this is. It's your calming mechanism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is. He's a good boy. <laughs> okay, so when we talk to our authors and we've talked to other narrators and stuff, everybody has like their own little writings or, you know, authors have an author cave. You know, we found out that narrators call it the booth or the box or, you know, a medieval torture chamber. I'm not sure what all the names that we've received. What little square do you go into to record your uh, books? Do you work from home? Do you, you know, have to go into a studio? Do you go Both. sit shower? <laughs> and 
<laughs> it depends. Uh, uh, you know, we I have a love-hate relationship with it because, again, I, I sometimes feel a bit trapped in there, and um, uh, I spend so much time talking into a, a, a microphone that then I forget how to talk to real people. Or, this is pathetic, I'm referring to you on a computer. You are real people, but you are on a computer. So it, um, it's still, that's about as real as it gets for me. Like, we're, I'm like, I'm like, I'm almost touching, that's a real person right there. They're so close. <laughs> um, it's pretty much that and kids. Um, no, uh, so, so it, it is a love-hate relationship. It's just the booth. I've always known it is a booth. Um, but uh, there's, this, there's professional studios that I work at. Um, but predominantly about 90% of the stuff I do is from home. Um, that shifted. I started out working only in professional studios because I didn't have one. And then I saw very clearly that if you want to make it in the industry, you have to have your own booth. You've got to work from home. Everybody, that's the way it's going. That's how pretty much everybody does it. Um, the big books, the big uh, studios, they still use studios. Um, especially when they've got big names and stuff that they bring in and then they use them in their studios. Um, and there's a company I work for that uh, I can do either. I can They're close enough that I can go and work at their studio or I can do their books from home. just depends if I need to escape uh, the children. So, um, uh, so I have a 3x5 studio bricks. You can look it up. Um, it's awesome. I ordered it from Barcelona. And uh, they shipped it over in a big, huge crate, like something from Indiana Jones. Um, and it's not, there's no like screws or anything. Everything clicks together like a big Lego set. And it's really got a good sound. Uh, it looks like a kind of a slightly bigger phone booth, uh, but white and um, a glass door. And that's about it. And it's got all the sound paneling and, you know, then you set up your mic. And on the inside, I have the... Um, computer like the monitor and a wireless keyboard so that I can run the program that's recording but everything's outside the booth and then channeled in so that you don't have the sound of the uh, you know the airplane sound of your computer after 12 hours of being on or whatever um, that's all outside of it so it's and that's that's it but it's tough because like I like I said I have kids and it's in the only place we could put it was in the basement so People have to be quiet still, even though it's a soundproof booth, low resonant things like um, children running. Whoever came up with the term pitter-patter of little feet is full of shit. Don't um, <laughs> stomp and run and jump and scream. And um, I've never heard a kid pitter-patter before in my life. So, so that's always, you know, I've got to work when they're not around or late at night. or So that makes it more difficult. Um, but... Uh, but it's nice getting to work from home, and it, it is there's something nice about going down and, and going in there, and I can change things or go back or do things. I kind of craft it a little more. When I go into an actual studio, I much more I bang it out and just do it really fast. So if I do a three, 400-page book uh, in a studio with an engineer and possibly a director, that would probably take me like a day and a half of recording. If I did that at home, it would probably take me about four days of recording. Because uh, I'm doing it, you know, engineering it and doing everything myself. What were we talking about? What? I don't know. I don't even remember. I'm just. I'm still stuck at pitter patter. Um, <laughs> okay. So this is a question that we're asking all of our narrators because, of course, you know, as listeners, we listen to you. You guys read to us, and you listen. We listen to you make multiple voices. So. 
you you get the question say it in that you know voice and you know like we had one we asked one and he said that his wife asked him to speak in a certain person's voice now for me it would be, talk to me All as Oberon. I don't want you to talk in your voice anymore honey can you just stop? <laughs> speak in a lower register oh my god it was actually no, my, my wife wants to for him. it was an accented voice for him too so not only not his own voice but it was a Spanish accent on top of everything else so it's like completely different <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, my, my wife is pretty much, uh, is over the accents, I think. She's, she's, there's too much. I mean, it's constant. I can't stop it. It's, that's how I learn. So I, and the kids too, I mean, they know they're, they're always making fun of me for it, uh, but now they do it. So now they're constantly doing voices and accents and, um, it's, it's almost compulsive in that I do it, you know, when I'm driving, it's, I'm reading signs out loud in different voices or doing that it's just I've done it so much that now I can't stop so yeah so family they're pretty much over it they don't really have any interest except for the little ones they do still get a kick out of it when we read books and things like that but uh, my oldest is is now 11 going on uh, 16 and she's uh, she likes it but not when other people are around <laughs> right. she, likes, she likes to do it too but she has to save face so she thinks it's a little goofy, but um, and I don't really run into anybody on the street that's like, oh my God, you're Luke Daniels, like that hasn't happened. So uh, I do have people contact me, which is really sweet, uh, and ask me to do messages to their significant others, and I think that's adorable. Uh, and I've had several people do it that'll say, me and my husband listen to you doing these books, and we. Um, we really love it, and it's our 10-year anniversary. Would you record this message in this character's voice to my husband? And that's super sweet. And I, I, I've done it a couple times. It's hard to get the time to actually do it, but um, uh, they do ask, you know. Uh, but then I always wonder, too, like, well, where is it? Whose property is it, right? Like, <laughs> I believe it's mine, but at the same time, I'm representing somebody else's character. So, like, with Oberon... I always feel a little nervous because I I certainly I still do it. <laughs> but I always do it with that thought in my head of like, is Kevin gonna like this? Like is this how he hears Oberon or is this me doing it? But then I'm like, but it's my voice, so I think there's something there. I think as long as I'm cognizant of that fact that it's it is somebody else, it came from someone else's mind. So you have to kind of be careful, like you, I can't go out and do the, the Oberon, you know, porn dub. Or something like that. I gotta, I gotta do a little more uh, discretionary stuff. But, but if it's somebody's, you know, significant other, that's, you know, if it's sweet things like that, and that, I think it's totally cool. I appreciate that, and it's nice to be asked. I mean, of course, you want somebody to say, "I like what you do. I want to hear more of it." Um, I don't think I've reached that stage yet. Talk to me in 20 years or something when I'm like, "Ah, screw off. I don't want to." Yeah, you know. But now I'm still, still tickled by the fact that people like it enough that they want to. Um, they want to hear more of it. So okay, that being said, is there something you want? Well, Viv has never heard the Morgan. Oh my God! I know. But I can't. Tell what happened to the Morgan either? We can't really even talk about the Morgan. Are you we all caught up? I am. Viv isn't. I yeah. I spotlight on you, child. <laughs> I got spoilers. No spoilers. But I love the Morgan. She's such a good character. And, I love uh, the Morgan. 
Yeah. Um, I wish I had text to actually read. That would oh. make it easier. Talking it off would. The, off okay. Um, and then just do, do, do a little... You can do a little Oberon. Do a little Oberon? <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I have to, let me just step over here for a second. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, Oberon. Oberon, can you... Wake up, Oberon. Oberon! <sighs> Sorry. Hold on. I got bacon. They want... Did you hear that? They have bacon. Yeah. They have bacon. You they have bacon for bacon? Yeah, they got bacon for you. Come on, it's okay. Oh my goodness! Oh, where's your bacon for me? Somebody give you bacon? Would you wear it? Wait a minute. I don't smell bacon. Well, they don't. It's on the computer. You can't really. Why? Well, we were just trying to. The, I have some lovely fans that'd like to meet. Are you telling me that you lie about bacon? How could you do that to me? Do you know what I was dreaming about? Bacon! <laughs> and then you woke me up for bacon and there is no bacon! <sighs> it's okay, Oberon. I think, I think we, I don't know if this is going to work. I think we upset him. Hold on. Oh, no. I just, can you at least tell the fans that you love them? Alright. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. And next time, bring some actual biking. Alright, Oberon. Go you got it, Oberon. Uh, Oops. <laughs> oh boy. I love that dog. But he's changed. <laughs> you want so do you want to know? So when he first started out. Oberon was much more like, um, everything was very like this. Everything was very, he was very excited about all of it and kept panning and everything, which was great for the first couple books because he was a puppy and he was very excited. But then I realized that he didn't really have, I couldn't keep, you know, that up. It, would, it was kind of one note. And so I had to kind of take that essence of like, he's excited about everything. Like he feels everything to the nth degree. So when he's upset, he's at the lowest end of upset, and when he's happy, he's at the happiest. That you know that those extremes that dogs have um, carry that over into a voice that was more fluid, could go different places, and and actually kind of uh, embody a little more than just that idea at the beginning of of an excited dog that is now onto this, and then it's onto that, and then it has this, and it's you know always onto the new thing. I like it. It's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so this is a really mean question, and I and I love to ask. So, out of the plethora of books that you have narrated, because there's a lot, which has been your favorite? I know it's like picking which kid you like the best. No, that's easy. I know which. One <laughs> I like the best. We won't tell them. None of them. I have. Add that kid yet? I'm waiting. I'm waiting oh. for the one I like. Oh. Uh, they're gonna. Uh, they won't watch this anyways. They'll be like, "What are you? This is so weird. Why would you?" Anytime I tell them about stuff, they're like, ah. "I did an interview for USA Today, and I got them to put my picture with Taylor Swift, uh, and and on the like thing, so then I could show them. I was like, "Look, they they just interviewed me, and it's like they talk about me and Taylor Swift. Isn't that cool?" And they're like. Why are you next to Taylor Swift like that? They were more freaked out than thought that was cool. It didn't, didn't work funny. for me. Um, what were we talking about? 
Your favorite book. <laughs> oh, my favorite book. book. He's trying to miss I, I, I don't know. I, I definitely, uh, God, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. I know. Um, it, it, you can it, play it, the fifth. I, like, favorite. I just did a book that I really liked that was a very, like, kind of realistic kitchen sink drama kind of thing about these couples uh, who are having kind of a midlife crisis, and it was just really beautifully written um, called Summer Long that's going to come out probably in a few months. But that one struck me just because it was so, I don't know, it felt like a Mike Nichols film or something. It was very authentic and had a great tone and really good just small drama between like four characters and I've been doing a lot of space opera stuff so I think I liked that so my favorite book is whatever feels new to me so I get so that that's why I like doing all different genres because I get to feeling if I do one thing for too long I feel stuck so if there's something new like this little thing I've been doing all these big great fun you know voicing space dragons and space hornets and things like that and and then to get to do something like that, that was exciting uh, to change it up. Or before that, I did a big, long, comprehensive thing on investment, which I only took because I was like, I only do, you know, I don't only do, but I do a lot of these other things. I need to keep doing new things so that I don't become too staid or too um, crusty. Uh, uh, so uh, I, new. I like new. My favorite book I ever did is a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Very diplomatic. Totally diplomatic. <laughs> so um, we'll, ask you, we'll ask you in a couple months what your favorite is and it'll be the new one. It'll be something else. It's always the new one. I think it that's could be our thing, Kelly, uh, our monthly question to, to Luke. Which is your favorite? <laughs> yeah. And it'll yeah. always be the new one. A new one. The new one. The new one, yeah. The one's green. All green. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm really trying to come up with an actual answer for you. I I want to give you an answer. I do. Um, it, you know, there's it, things popping in my head, but then I'm like, that's not my favorite. Don't say that. So I could just throw things out there. Like I really loved. I, I've done a lot of Philip K. Dick, and there's terrible Philip K. Dick, and there's really good Philip K. Dick, and I've done all of them. And uh, and there's always good stuff in them, but some of them he was a little more strung out on stuff than others. God, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying that. His estate's pretty intense. Um, uh, but but uh, the, some of those have been really fun. Um, I don't know. I failed. I don't know. It's okay. It's okay. It'd be yeah. like asking a reader what their favorite book is. Nabokov. I've done some of him. He was really good. And Updike. Um, the, the good writers, like the ones that just can turn a phrase and you go, oh my God, it like makes your whole insides melt, um, that are able to present things in a way that that uh, touches me or affects me deeply, you know? Um, and, and that's what's so great about it because there's so many. That's why it's so hard to come up with a favorite. Um, I can tell you my favorite book. How about that? Not okay. the one that I narrated, but I'll do that. I'll do that as my cop-out. I When I was, you know, 17 or 18 and... Uh, starting to to move out on my own, I got into Kerouac and read On the Road and Dharma Bums, and those two were my kind of influential books that uh, that set up a lot of how I view things and uh, see life. 
So those are my those are my top books that I've read just as a, a person. But then again, I haven't read a book myself in five years. So um, because there's just no time, it's always other books. I'm lucky that I do books that I would read normally, because then it kind of feels like I am. But I don't. A lot of times, people give me a book for Christmas or something, and it feels like an insult. I'm like, what? you gonna pay me? I don't. What do you want me to do with this? Read this. Sorry. Uh, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay, so our last question before we let you go, and you know, it looks like we were successful, and baby uh, slept through the whole interview. Um, is if somebody? I, oh, that's oh, we were up all night last night. That's oh. why. That's why. That's why this right here. This is baby eyes. That looks good. You're looking good. You look good. Not to be confused with bedroom eyes. These are baby eyes. <laughs> So, if somebody has not listened to an audiobook, you know, one, shame on them, um, but what would you tell them that they're missing or what, you know, if somebody is like leery about audiobooks, what would you tell them? Mm, listen to mine. <laughs> um, I think that give it, you have to find somebody that you can listen to. It's so, you know what I mean? And you might have to scroll through a few people before you find that. It's hard. Um, that's why I never take it personally if somebody writes a bad review. I mean, I do. That's a total lie. But I try not because um, because it's so individual. You know what I mean? You listen to somebody and it either clicks or it doesn't. Um, and yes, there's technique and some people are better than others at doing voices or transitions or pacing or that kind of stuff, um, that's all true too, but it's the first thing you do is you have to find someone you like listening to. So I think that's why you see people that start to pursue books because of the narrator, because they know, well, it doesn't, if that's something that looks good, at least I know I can listen to this narrator. So as opposed to, well, I really love that author, but I don't know that narrator, it's a little more chancy because you don't know if you're going to like them. Um, so I think it's kind of like once you find something you like, you stick with it because you know what to expect every time. Um, and there's all different types of narrators now, so you, you really get a good chance to find what suits you best as the consumer, as the listener. Um, and secondary, I think it's, so, it's such a wonderful medium for storytelling because it is collaborative in an intimate way that nothing else is. It's you and the listener. It's very intimate. It's two people and you're communing with them in a way where they're taking in what you're saying and then they're creating that, like you said, those images in their head. And when I do a voice a certain way for a character, in my head that character looks a certain way, but then someone else listening to it hears that voice and they may have a completely different image in their head of what that looks like just through their own experiences. And so I think that, uh, you know, it's it, it's a very, it's a beautiful, not to put too fine a point on it, it's a very beautiful experience and potentially has has this great scope where you can just, it's limitless because a book is limitless. You can go anywhere, you can do anything, unlike a movie or a TV show with restrictions on what you actually see. You can create and paint a visual with words that you can't do anywhere else. And then when you do it into, change it into spoken word, it takes it to, again, another level and filters it into this, I don't know, it's this kind of um, elusive, very uh, personal thing. It's personal for the reader because they're putting their own 
uh, take on it, and then the listener is taking it in and filtering it through their experiences, and it's personal for them. And when you come out of it, it's also eight hours or 12 hours or 20 hours that you've spent listening to somebody. So you get, you know, inside people's head, literally. Oh, hey, puppy. This is my inspiration. I was looking over here, drawing inspiration into my... Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here going, any minute now he's going to look at the camera and go, puppy! Puppy! <laughs> well, What's that? Who's Luke, I will have to, okay, you can go down. Off you go. Shoo, shoo. Luke, I want to say thank you. Um, this is like a little bit of a fangirl moment for me because, like I said, I really, really have enjoyed all the books that I have um, let you read to me. Um, so... <laughs> I'm hoping that Viv will now go check out the Iron Druid Chronicles, and um, I am planning on um, stocking Audible and buying a few more of your audiobooks, just because, you know, I can never have too many. Um, and I hope the listeners and the fans of our blog will um, just go to Audible and just kind of search your name and start listening to clips and just buy the books, audiobooks. There's a little bit of something for everybody. If you like romance or if you like uh, action or you like, you know, classics, uh, there's something there for everybody. So, And, again, if you don't like my voice, there's so thousands of others out there. So don't let that discourage you. You might find somebody that you do really connect with. Um, uh, so keep listening. Awesome. Well, Luke, it was an honor to talk to you, and I hope no. you get to Go take a nap. Yeah. He's going to wake up as soon as we're done. Then I'm on duty again. Yeah. So, but thank you for having me. It's an honor to be asked, for real, and for you to take the time to do this on your weekend and to put it out there and to even be interested and then not to mention all the hours of listening. Thank you. And thank everybody else, too. Yeah. Well, we're going to do it again next year, and we hope that you will join us again. I'd love to. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, Luke. Bye. 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 Thank you to all of our audiobook-loving podcast Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner, Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard, Brandy Schmidt, April Branson. The audiobook-loving podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobookloving. We thank you for your support. Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.